When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Get in zone. AutoZone. Welcome to AutoZone. What are you working on today? My check engine light's on. Mm, that could hurt your gas mileage. The AutoZone free fix finder service can help find the fix for free. Get in zone. This whole report for free? That's right. Printed and on your phone for free. Get in zone. But what if the fix is too tough? We'll recommend a local shop. Fix finder only at AutoZone. Get in zone. AutoZone. Restrictions apply. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. This is the Steelers Preview Show, presented by Unibet on WDVE Pittsburgh. Here are your hosts, Mike Brazuda and Matt Williamson. Oh yeah, that can only mean one thing. Welcome to the jungle. It gets worse here every day. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Steelers Preview. Mike Persuda along with Matt Williamson coming at you tonight till 8 o'clock right here on your Steelers flagship. 102.5 DVE and SNR will also be joined by Merrill Hodge. And Matt, I don't know if you've been to Cincinnati in the last, I don't know, since Riverfront Stadium days. But, uh, <laughs> no, I have not. They like to crank out, or at least they used to yeah. like to crank out, Welcome to the Jungle when the Bengals would take the field. I was there in 1988 when the Bengals were on the way to the Super Bowl and the Steelers were on their way to 5-11. and 11, And it was late November and it was gray and it was snowing and the ground shook. Uh, not... Impressive. It's a good one to come out to. Maybe the best album of all time or high on the list for sure. Um, I, I always thought Paradise City would be a great one to come out to as well, but Welcome to the Jungle is pretty strong. Well, plus Welcome to the Jungle has a better tie I, to Bengals. I, I get the, yeah, okay. I get the yeah, whole thing. Just yeah, wanted yeah. to make sure you didn't <laughs> miss that read, Cordell. Uh, good news for the Steelers today, yeah. uh, relatively speaking anyway. Uh, we'll run down the injury report here real quick before I start picking bones with the offensive and defensive coordinator. Uh, in, you have some bones to pick here, In reaction yeah. to uh, last Sunday's 26-17 loss to the Raiders. Ben Roethlisberger uh, upgraded from did not participate to limited 
He's got uh, a pectoral injury. Uh, Joe Hayden upgraded from limited to a full participant with a groin. Devin Bush, full participant for a second consecutive day with a groin. Uh, T.J. Watt, limited for a second consecutive day with a groin. A uh, little bad news, uh, Alex Highsmith didn't participate for a second consecutive day with a groin. Justin Lane, Achilles, uh, downgraded from limited to out. Marcus Allen showed up on the injury report. Abdomen did not participate. Still no Deontay Johnson did not participate uh, for the second straight day with that knee he injured. On the last play of the game when the Steelers ran a play when they were two scores down and there wasn't enough time left to get one score. Yeah, that one didn't add up to me, to say the least. Uh, real quick, Lane and Allen don't seem likely to play. Two key special teamers. Uh, one of the things that has been one of the few positive trends in Cincinnati since Taylor took over as head coach is they've been pretty good on t- special teams. So I just wanted to get that one out of the way. I'm not planning on talking an hour of special teams, but those two are high snap guys for the Steelers on teams. Sounds like Johnson and... Um, Highsmith are the ones that are probably unlikely, huh? So it would appear. Yeah. Uh, and then you just got to wait and find out who can make it to the end of the game because with these groins, <laughs> right, uh, right? you never know. And maybe Watts on a pitch count. Uh, maybe he's limited in the game. I don't mm-hmm. know. Of course, I thought that would be the case in the opener in Buffalo, and it was not. But uh, let's talk about that uh, Raiders game uh, last Sunday's 26-17 loss before we dive into Cincinnati. And by the way, Merrill Hodge will be joining us as he always does, Merrill will uh, dial in for our second segment. But, Matt, uh, a couple of uh, things related to coaching really bugged me uh, off that game, and I'm not talking about not going for it on fourth and one. Okay. Uh, I don't know if you had any strong feelings about that one way or the other. I would have went for it. I mean, I think you've uh, – not, not to be a wise guy, what would you have run? That's what I was about to say. Is we had Bob Labriola on the show on the drive on Wednesday, and he said – to quote him, basically, Mike Pursuta and I had a good conversation about this in that, well, what play do you run, though? Where's your bread and butter? You're not giving it to Jerome behind a fullback or running behind Fanica or something along those lines. And frankly, I hadn't put myself in the offensive coordinator's shoes to say what exactly would I do. I probably just would have stuck it in the belly of the first round pick and say, go get a yard and, you know, very upfront blocking, you know, come off the ball and. I just thought it was the right move to make, but that's not the reason they lost the game. You know, let's get to your bones, the, the pick here. What, what really bugged me, and, and I want to start with the uh, 61-yard touchdown to Henry Ruggs the third, mm-hmm. that didn't put the game away, but it really, it re- play, really yeah, reestablished it control for Raiders. It was a dagger. They ran a blitz there, and what was happening downfield was uh, Minka Fitzpatrick was uh, the center fielder, right. post safety. And they had spent so much attention, uh, or paid so much attention to Darren Waller, the tight end, all day. And I get why they did that. Sure, sure. Well, we previewed this a week ago. We talked about how dangerous he is. Sure. And Mika just gets momentarily frozen. You know, Mm -hmm. takes a half step or gets flat-footed. Sure, his eyes are on Waller. Leans the wrong way because uh, it's third and ten, and he thinks they're going to go to Darren Waller and try to get the first down. And because of that, he can't get back into the post, and Ruggs gets behind him and Akilo Witherspoon yeah. and, and scores. Scoreboard changes. At the front side of that play, Trey Norwood is part of a six-man pressure, and after he gets through uh, a bunch right, which would be bunch right from behind the offense. Okay, yeah, yeah, the car's right. He got, he got a little hung up, 
by Brian Edwards, but he had a straight shot at Derek Carr, and he took a circuitous route (laughs) to be kind. His angle was terrible. His ability to adjust on the run and change to the right angle was even worse, and he didn't get there. So you give up a 61-yard home run because you had an unblocked player who couldn't get to the passer. And my question is, why is Trey Norwood that guy? He had only rushed a couple of times. He's hardly played. You don't know that he can do that. In fact, now we might suspect he can't do that. But that's a hell of a situation to put that guy in. And Keith Butler kind of alluded to it today. I think he was trying to cover for Norwood. He said, I called the wrong play, the wrong blitz, because yeah, it, yeah. it worked. That was the theme today on Coordinator Thursday. Matt Canada said everything was his fault because <laughs> okay. it didn't work, <laughs> yeah. and it's supposed to work. And Keith Butler said, I called the wrong blitz. Uh, it was the wrong guy in the wrong place at the wrong time. And one of those plays to me where you draw it up on the dry erase board and X has a clean shot to O and he always gets there. Mm-hmm. But real human beings doesn't always work out that way. Really good analysis there by you, to be honest with you. I, I figured you were going to criticize. You know, we haven't, we didn't talk about this before we went live. I, I thought you were going to criticize focusing so much on Waller. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Okay. okay. <laughs> and I think that's a great point though. I mean, which kind of brings us to this week. If that's Mike Hilton, it's probably a sack. You know what I mean? Corner blitzes from the slot are. It's Carl Joseph. It's probably a sack. It's probably a sack, right? I mean, but that's a great point. Of a lot's been thrown on Norwood's plate. He's played a lot more snaps than our listeners might realize. To be honest with you, I mean, both games, so they're counting on him. But and not a you just phys- haven't seen it from him. Not a physical guy in college. No, his, no, 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 the, right. the attraction I mean, was, was a blitzer, his, yeah, his right, versatility right, right. and his ability to catch the ball when people threw it, to, or go right. get it. I, mean, I don't want to discount his ball hawking, which he did well sure. at Oklahoma, but. I don't know that that's his deal, man. Watching the preseason, he does not strike me as a tackler. He does not strike me as a physical kid. Yeah. And, boy, they put him in a spot. you got to make a play he's probably never made before in his life. Yeah. it's. I really don't have any rebuttal for it. I think that's really well said. I will say that I don't know that most people realize just how physical play in the slot corner is. I mean, at Hilton's size in particular, I was always blown away. I mean, sometimes you're taking on a pulling guard or – you got to get Joe Mixon on the ground, or you know, I mean, that's a physical beat. Uh, you know, beats the heck out of your position as is uh, slot receiver, and it, it looks like he can cover well enough from there. But he's probably better off reading quarterbacks and playing off the ball than coming downhill at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, I mean, but, and he I mean, showed right there. You're the, right. The ball's gotten over his head uh, in preseason and in practice. People have run by him mm-hmm. in the preseason games and in practice, and it, he's got to make that play. I mean, I. Fitzpatrick's a two-time All-Pro. He shouldn't get caught leaning, no, worried about a first down right. when the alternative is touchdown. But none of that's a concern. If the unblocked guy gets to a quarterback who, oh, by the way, he's trying to throw long, so he's going to be holding the ball there, mm-hmm. and David Carr's not Lamar Jackson. He's not immobile. No, no, he's not immobile, not. but I mean, you had a free you, shot. You, to, to rebut what Coach Butt said was, it sounds like he did have the right blitz on. I mean, it sounds like the play call was perfect, but the wrong guy threw it upright, and it didn't happen. That being said, you know, when I was at, you know in college, we had a saying too that the the other teams on scholarship too that rugs guys pretty fast. It was a heck of a throw by Carr. It was a heck of was, a throw yeah, by Carr, who I thought was the player of the game. Um, but you're right. I mean, I think if. Traditionally, if that's Hilton or even Sutton, you probably get home. It's or good somebody that's maybe that's done it, done it. Yeah, yeah. You just don't know. And then the second thing, getting to the uh, the attention to Darren Waller and a lot of young guys. I thought it was well placed. Um, 
even considering they had him double teamed on the touchdown pass to Brian Edwards that got called back for the holding penalty in the second quarter. Uh, We already mentioned he influenced Minka Fitzpatrick, and that cost him a touchdown Mm -hmm. uh, in part uh, on the Norwood play. So why then, Matt, you spend all that time, and I I had 10, 11 guys paying some attention to him at some point, either bracketing or double teaming or zone, Mm -hmm. keeping an eye on him, being aware of him. Why on second and seven with time running out and when the Raiders get a first down, you know, the game is over. Why do they end up with Joe Schobert one-on-one on him on a wheel route? Right. Where do you think Four, they're going to go? 4.46 against 4.76. And why is Minka Fitzpatrick so far deep in, in the post this time? That he's not even a factor. He's not even in the screen on the sideline shot. <laughs> yeah, you see right, a right. shadow creeping in on the far right of the picture. Yep. And he can't come up in time to help Schobert when Waller gets by Schobert, which inevitably he's going to do in that situation. Which, to your point, was everything you've avoided so well to that point. Yeah. I mean, you, you understand the You the spent the whole there. game trying not to have that guy beat you until, until, the, it really, until you really, let him really beat really you. Yeah. No, I mean, I think your beefs are strong here, without question. And I'm not, you know, I'm not uh, absolving Schobert. Right. But as he explained. But he's going to lose that battle every time. And as he explained it, he had run responsibility and pass responsibility on that play. They had two tights, a fullback, a running back, and one receiver. Steelers had nine guys in the box. They should have had ten. Should have had ten. I mean, Fitzpatrick should have been way closer to help out on Darren Waller. Playing that deep is He spent half the the game helping out on Darren Waller. And they worried about a receiver going for a home run again when seven yards gets you beat. Yeah. Uh, Again, I don't have a whole lot to add or rebut. I mean, I think you're dead on. Those are two... Absolutely crucial plays. Minka was heavily involved in the first one. Should have been more involved in the second one. Not probably to his, you know, to my, I don't think he did anything wrong. It was just the way it was drawn up and his responsibilities. Um, I have a hunch that just kind of beating around the bush with you before the show, you're into tight ends and running backs exploiting linebackers. That's going to be the uh, offensive complaint. (laughs) I thought it might be. And it goes back to the pre- uh, before the Devin Bush draft, why was that guy mm-hmm. considered? You had to get one of the Devons. You got to get one of the Devons. That's all I heard that whole spring. Trade right up to do it because you need a linebacker who's well, who's stout enough to play against the run and fast enough that he can cover. Mm-hmm. Why are those guys top ten picks? Because very few teams right. have Devin Bush or Devin White. There's a couple other ones out there, Tremaine Edmonds and what? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm just ten but of them or something, right? Yeah, none of them play for the Raiders, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's true. Denzel Perryman, are you kidding me? Why can you not scheme up? Najee Harris and Pat Fryermuth and get them the ball and just yeah. keep feeding them and keep exploiting their black hole. And I'm not talking about the fan base. I'm talking about the big circle in the defense where they should be throwing, throwing yes. isolating, exploiting. couple notes on that. First off, I wish we'd have brought up Perryman more last week because I like his style of play in a Earl Holmes kind of way. <laughs> you know, I mean, the, the – Heavy guy in a 3-4 downhill 20 not a, years not in ago. A, not in a today kind not of way. Not in a today kind of way. Tough leader, you know, thumper, you know, brings it. Vince Williams kind of way. Great. But you got to attack those guys. And he did seem like an obvious guy that they could go after in coverage. And I just don't understand why they don't throw to the middle of the field more. I mean, I don't care if it's Fryermuth, Harris. Those guys are perfect examples. Ebron. Maybe Juju doing more out of the slot than running three yards downfield and turning around. You know, I mean, 
even their outbreak, even their receivers don't run many in-breaking routes, you know, deep ends and things like that, dig routes and or even deep posts. I mean, uh, we, we've talked about this for two years now. The offense, I mean, NFL.com has their, 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 their heat map of where every quarterback throws mm-hmm. the ball. Bends are all in, you know, the, the first couple yards of the line of scrimmage all the way across the, the width of the field and deep outside the sidelines. I mean, there's all this grass that never gets attacked, and every defense knows it. I, I don't understand, especially if there's a Perryman in there, and even Trevon Moring, who I said a week ago, boy, I'm impressed with this guy. He's a second-round rookie free safety. You know, challenge him time and time again. Uh, they're strong safety. I mean, Abram is a big thumper who probably is more of a 1985 player as well. Attack him too. Attack the middle of the field. Uh, it, it boggles my mind. You know, it, this is something that was bugging me after the opener, to be quite frank, and then after the second game when uh, Najee Harris makes that uh, little nothing route out of the backfield and mm-hmm. catches a short pass and then beats the one safety to the boundary and then turns it up and beats the other two safeties to the pylon. Why is this not happening 10, 11 times a game? Here's a stat that's going to boggle your mind after using a first-round pick on Harris, who, to no fault of his own, the Steelers' backfield has the least touches of 32 teams. That does boggle my mind. It boggles my mind. You know, you yeah. just used the first-round pick on this guy. He looks great, you know. I mean, that the Steelers' backfield touches a ball less than any team in the league. It can't happen. I get what their comfort zone is, and Roethlisberger's got a yeah. lot of faith in those receivers. And I'm not saying those receivers are bad players. I don't, know if, I don't know if any of them's a true number one. And, you know, we could say – we could say Clay, it's a good group. Claypool's not catching the ball as often as he should, and, mm-hmm. and there's too many miscommunications with Johnson. And as you just mentioned, Juju Smith-Schuster's his big playability has uh, Everything's so short. evaded, yeah, right, right, and he's, right. he's a short, tough guy. Significant plays that he makes, but not field-changing plays. Uh, take one of them out. <laughs> Go too tight. Well, And then start throwing to 88 and 22. <sighs> I'm going to credit Dale Lawley for this one on the drive that we do talk about every day because by no means do either any of us think Deontay Johnson's a poor player or deserves less playing time, but it sounds like there's a really good chance he's not going to play this week. So they might be forced to yeah, do the right so thing. Yeah, so Dale kind of said, maybe that's not the worst injury for right now. You know, I mean, even along the lines of just getting bigger people in the game, you know, your two receivers are going to be Claypool and Smith-Schuster. Both are big, strong guys that might block a corner and spring Harris on a long run. You're probably going to see more double tight end sets. You might see more a Watt. You know, you're going to see bigger people on the field. And Deontay didn't do anything wrong, but you know, a lot of great inventions in this world come when something bad happens and you got to yeah. improvise. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think it's past time, and uh, you know, certainly the way they've been banging their heads against the wall doing it, the way they've been doing it. I think mm-hmm. uh, screams for change, not panic. You don't have to you know, reinvent the wheel, but just, hey, you got these guys, take advantage of it, scheme them up. Get get yeah. your good tight end yeah. on a linebacker who's not uh, able to cover him. Yeah, and, I mean, the last two Thursdays we've talked about good skill position players yeah. the Steelers need, or the Steelers defense need to deal with. Steelers have good skill position players. And based, two but, of them are yeah, rookies. Based on what we saw from Fryermuth in the springtime and in training yeah. camp, he's, he's hard to cover. Yeah. And he doesn't drop the ball. Put him on the mil- down, down the seam or, you know, and certainly Harris can even be – Simple dump-offs, like you mentioned. And we haven't really even seen him run Lev Bell wide receiver-type routes. I think no, that's, not yet. That, that could happen. I, we've seen him 
Seen you've some seen that in camp, right? You've seen some empty, right. but uh, I think they're scratching the surface. I don't care how he gets his yards, Matt. Yeah. I don't care how he gets his touches. If you can't run the ball, don't. But find ways to get the playmakers the ball in space. Yeah, especially him. You know, it, I can't say that enough. I mean, the, the Steelers' backfield has the fewest touches in the league. I mean, that can't be the case. It needs to be in the top ten. Yeah. I mean, your quarterback's not Pat Mahomes. We got uh, a lot more to come tonight. Uh, glad to get that off my chest. And uh, I'm going to do that again tomorrow morning on the DV morning show. So uh, if you tune into both of these programs, <laughs> forward to that. sorry for the uh, repetitive nature of my rant, but uh, I think uh, one and one and uh, gearing up for a game against the Cincinnati Bengals that I have, I don't know how this one's going to turn out. I mean, I, mix, I think they're dangerous. This is as uh, up in the air as a Steelers Bengals game has been maybe since. Uh, well, Ken Anderson's the, overstated. Maybe the perfect so, days or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or the the uh, I'm drawing a blank on the USC quarterback. Mm. Carson Palmer. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Troy's buddy. Yeah. I mean, the Bengals used to be good. They haven't been for a long, long time. But I think they're trending upward. And Yeah, they've been and, respectable over two weeks. And the Steelers are trending like a team that uh, is uncertain health-wise on defense and groping on offense. Searching is a nice way to put it. But, yeah, yeah. The, the offense has not shown signs. So uh, we'll start talking about okay. that uh, on the other side of the break. When we come back, we will be joined by the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge. We never forget to go to our full house backfield <laughs> because it's effective. Get the playmakers the ball. Yeah, get the playmakers the ball. Merrill's getting it next. With Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You are listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers Preview Show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back to Steelers Preview. Mike Persuda and Matt Williamson with you here on the flagship and on SNR until 8 o'clock tonight. We do this every Thursday during game week, at least every Thursday that the game is on Sunday. We will adjust accordingly, kind of like an offensive tackle who lines up on one side of the line of scrimmage and then motions behind the formation to the other side to completely fool the defense pre-snap. Time now to welcome uh, the third member of our team, Merrill Hodge. Uh, Merrill, uh, good to talk to you again. It occurs to me that pretty much ever since last season, just about every conversation we've had has uh, centered on the Steelers' running game. Uh, I imagine we're going to do that until they get it right. So my first question to you is, how long are we going to keep doing this? Um, yeah, that's actually a good point. I mean, you'd like to be talking about it in a more positive manner. So. So let's dance. That's uh, the positive manner, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, if you can't say anything nice about someone, <laughs> right? It's hang up the phone. Right. Uh, clearly, some technical difficulties. So we will uh, endeavor to get Merrill back. But uh, you know, Matt, uh, before we do that, it's—I understand they have to have the capability to run. But the sure. way this team's constructed, and with this line in its developing stage, how much should they expect to run? Well. I mean, I don't know how much of that Seahawks-Titans game you watched this past week. Seattle got up on them heavy in Seattle. You know, tough place to play. Titans are struggling. And I'm not saying Najee Harris is Derrick Henry, but they stuck with it. And by the end of the game, he's beating people up. You know, I mean. So it it can work. It can work. I mean, I think you got to dedicate yourself to it, though. It's not just going to happen sparingly. Merrill, I was Matt talking about uh, Tennessee sticking with it and beating Seattle with Derrick Henry. I I assume you're on board with uh, continuing to fight the good fight up front with the running game. Well, well, because they need it. 
you know, they just, they're not good enough. There's, well, there's no, there's no team in football good enough not to have it, you know, and anybody who thinks otherwise, then they're, they buy the Cracker Jack box and they're looking for a Super Bowl ring. I mean, that ain't going to happen. It'll never happen in the history of our game. The history tells you that. In fact, the, you have to have a lot of phases to your team in order for you to be successful and win a championship. And that includes offense. You can't be one-dimensional. And, and right now, the Steelers don't really have any true staple. They don't have any foundation that they, they trust, that a team says, we got to stop. And you ultimately need that. And so uh, I've always felt that the running game is clearly the best way to do that. It's the one that permeates through the entire team the most. And if you don't get that going, it's just going to be a long year. Now, going back to what we were talking about earlier, it, it, it does come down to being they're just they've not done a very good job of knowing their assignments, knowing who to block, and then they've done a bad job of poor technique, poor angles. And it may be a cliche, but I'll tell you what, it does apply in this case. It's some it's one guy messing up every play. Like you could take all the offensive linemen, one of those guys has done that. You can take all the tight ends. One of those guys has done it. You can even take the wide receivers aside from Juju because he's probably their most consistent blocker. And so one of those guys has done it. So they ultimately just have to focus more on their craft and be better at not doing that. And then I think also, you know, there's two ways to run the football. There's When you hear zone blocking schemes, you know, the, the, those are harder because it's really a bunch of five guys working together to see the same, see everything the same way. And you never really know who you're going to block at the second level. It's just going to depend on how they play it. Well, that's very hard. It takes a lot of time to be good at that. Then you can do man blocking schemes. You know, that would be like a counter trap where you know your assignment and you know who you're going to block. And that's a much easier way. So I think that those will kind of be the plays that they focus on. They, they call and they try to get going. Once you get those going and you start popping some runs, you get your back into some rhythm, then your offense will start flowing. But until they get to that point, it is still going to sputter. It's going to be inconsistent. Um, but it can be done. And this isn't like, ah, boy, you just don't have the hosses. You know, at the end of the day, you just don't have people to get it done. They just flat get whipped. That's not the case. So there is that hope. And this is a good week to get going on this because Cincinnati's has some of the same struggles, although their running game is, if you're comparing to apples to apples, is much better than the Steelers right now. You know, it was an interesting point on the uh, receivers, and uh, you alluded to this on your DVE morning show appearance this week, and I went back and looked at it a little more. And first and 10 from the Steelers' 17 in the third quarter, Najee Harris ends up getting four yards on this play, but it was also a play where Chase Claypool was assigned to block Denzel Perryman, and he basically turned it down. And per yeah. Perryman ended up making the tackle. Harris, he got four. He might still be running otherwise. Right, and listen, that's just unacceptable because, listen, at the end of the day, blocking 50% of it, maybe 90% of it, is being a willing participant, okay? Your willingness to go in there. Now, let me, let's back up just a little bit before I finish that. When Claypool gets a big ball down the field, you throw a ball to him. How many people are doing their job up front so Ben can make that throw? How many people are blocking their guy so Claypool can make that catch? I just don't know how you go into tape and you sit down and you look at that type of effort and think that's okay. You know, not, not at the professional level. It's just unacceptable um, because, because wide receivers play a significant role in the running game. It's always forgotten. The offensive line gets blamed when it's not good. 
and then they get all the credit when it when it does well. When the tight ends are a big part of this, receivers are a big part of this, and when they're not contributing, um, it affects your team. It affects your team, and uh, and Claypool is such a big guy. He he can be more impactful, and he can make a difference if he would if he'd do if he do a better job of blocking and helping out in the running game. And Merrill, Juju's actually led the receivers in snaps the first two games. And my only logic behind it is kind of like what you're saying, is he's the only one that's blocking anybody. Friar Moose snaps are going up and Ebron's are going down. I think that's a correlation there as well. <clears throat> I, I mean, it, it seems kind of obvious that they need this to be a team effort. And Claypool's the one I don't understand because at Notre Dame, yeah. he was a great special teamer. He was a very willing blocker and... I'm well, just not seeing it. Yeah, well, here's what here's what can happen sometimes. Now, listen, he's a young player. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you can get full of yourself. You know, he had a great rookie year as far as catching the ball, scored a lot of touchdowns. Sometimes you can get caught up in thinking, hey, I'm the man. And you need a wake-up call that, okay, if you really want to be the man, then you do all the other things, too, that make you a contributor to this team. Not just catch the ball, because now we'll go to – him catching the ball and running routes. I mean, there there was a route last week that he's got a receiver, a vertical route. You got the outside, the defenders on the outside of Claypool, so has him pinned to the sideline. If he keeps him pinned to the sideline and runs the route correctly, he probably has another big explosive play in that game. But he wanders back to the middle of the field. Well, where does the ball fall? Falls right where it should fall, but it's not close to where Claypool is because he's wandering back inside. And so. He's become sloppy at his craft as a whole. He has not gotten much better than what he was last year. I would argue he's worse from the categories that we just spoke about. And that is all controlled by Claypool and how he wants to be a professional. And he can impact this team significantly if he starts playing better as well. It'll help them not just in the running game, but the passing game as well. Merrill, the big story coming out of Buffalo defensively was the Steelers blitzed one time. Uh, one of the big stories coming out of the Raiders game is the blitz that they didn't get home on that turned into the 61-yard touchdown. Uh, Trey Norwood getting a little caught up in the bunch wash there and then taking a bad angle and then not getting to Derek Carr. Uh, is he? Should he, I should say, have been expected to make that play when he had never done it before? I mean, that's why you put it in. That's why you set it up. I mean, now he, did, he didn't get it. Um, you learn from those things, and hopefully going forward when you set up a guy who's going to be a free defender, which he ended up being the free defender. They did a perfect job of closing things down, and now it's up to him to work through that traffic. He can't get caught up in that traffic. Now, that's just going to clearly be how he goes about aligning, you know, and getting there. And when, when you're going through a bunch, I'm, I'm not saying it's easy because – you gotta have a, you gotta have some type of idea where these how these routes are gonna be run, how this how the receivers are gonna relieve, especially if you're at the point wide receiver, he's at the line of scrimmage. That's the one guy you can't run into. You know, so you gotta stay inside of that guy or or to the to the to the other side of him and release over the top of it. At the end of the day you can't run into him. Because you're gonna negate basically he's gonna block you is what's ultimately happened. So I, I just think the next time they go around I think Norwood will be much better. You learn from those things. Unfortunately, in that case, it didn't get there, but it was the perfect call. I mean, they had the free guy. There's no way Carr has enough time to throw the ball because that route takes so long to develop. 
That's exactly what they need. They need absolutely perfect protection, and they technically didn't have it. You know, if he doesn't run into that wide receiver, there's no way a car can throw that football and get get it off. But And they're going to need a little more of that. You know, designing blitz is one thing. Executing them is another. When you're a really good blitz team, I just think people take for granted. They're just a good blitz team. But the timing of it, the disguise of it, and it's no different than, I'm telling you, there's a lot of blitzes that are no different than a running play. You got guys that are going to try to take an offensive tackle upfield and a guard inside to open up a lane for a, uh, a, your blitzer. I mean, that's how blitzing is. There, you design things like that so you can get free guys there. You can get them open. It isn't just, hey, JJ, uh, TJ Watts has got to beat this guy. You know, so Tyson has got to beat somebody. It, those blitzes are designed like that, and there's a lot of things that got to go right with it. So with all the injuries they have in the box, you know, hopefully they'll get a little better at that so that those pressures will be and will be more, more disturbing to whoever they're playing, not just Cincinnati. Mayor, I want to get back to the offense real quick, and it, it seems unlikely that Deontay Johnson's able to play in this upcoming game. Would you take that as an opportunity to get Watt more involved at fullback and maybe play some heavier personnel? No, you know, I think you know that's kind of interesting to say that. I just think if you find things that you think will work for you, you know, that you you find this to be an advantage, and if you're going to put a fullback in there. Here's one thing the fullback does give you. Okay, I know everybody's saying, hey, put the fullback in there. Well, if the fullback gets in there and then everybody blocks their guys, then that's great. Because ultimately, at the end of the day, people aren't blocking people. That's what the problem is. Sure. It isn't who's on the field. It's the people that are on the field not getting the job done. Now, what a fullback does give you from the fullback position and the eye formation, whether it's strong or weak or a straight eye, he's a flexible blocker. You know, he can go any direction. And he adds to your offense of where, you know, you can have somebody blocking somebody that's not accounted for. So that's the flexibility in the running game that you get. You know, with a guy like that, you know, he possibly could clean up somebody that, you know, somebody misses. But then obviously his guy's not going to get blocked. And that's not why you want to do it, so he can clean up your mistakes. But he can give you some flexibility in the run and how you call it. You get a check-with-me system where you can get – more blockers to where they have less defenders. So that's one of the flexibilities that they would have when they have a fullback in the backfield uh, versus just a, you know, a tight ends on the line of scrimmage. Maryland theory, if you're struggling to run the ball, um, just philosophically speaking, is bringing in uh, another tight end and going with two or three of those and creating more gaps a good idea, or does that just bring more big people closer to the line of scrimmage and give them more gaps to exploit? I'm gonna be real honest with Mike. It's only good if everybody will make their, if everybody blocks. If everybody knows who they're blocking and they get their job done, you know. Um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna go back to what I said at the beginning. The biggest issue is identifying who we're blocking, and then getting that job done and doing it with the proper technique. I'm gonna tell you this: that's 80 percent of the problems that have happened in two weeks. The other 20% is they've just flat gotten whipped at times, which guess what? I don't care who you are. That, that's what happens in the NFL. You get whipped sometimes. The other guy's good too, and he's going to win sometimes. So about 20%, you've just gotten beat, and that's going to happen. You just know that. Nobody wins 100% of the time. The other is really self-inflicted, where we don't know who we're going blocking. We miss a guy, leaves him unaccounted for. Or I do such a bad job that I don't get the job done. So those things get done. This running game does have a chance to start taking off. Because I'm going to tell you this, what I noticed towards the end of the game, 
you start to see Najee Harris not trust anything. Najee grabs the ball. Shoot, he didn't even press the hole towards the end of the game. He just grabbed it, and he's trying to create things. I mean, you can't let that happen. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy doesn't trust things are going to happen. You know, then he doesn't stay true to it. Then they start making good blocks, and your back's not there because he doesn't trust it. So you got to get this corrected sooner than later, or it's going to be an ultimate train wreck. Merrill, you touched on it earlier about, about the Bengals running game. And personally, I think Joe Mixon's an immense talent, just talent. Yeah. Are you on oh, board yeah. with that? I mean, what he yeah. is physically. Oh. Yeah, he was the best runner coming out that year he came out. You know, yeah. his off-the-field thing nailed him, but he was the best runner. I can't remember who the other guys were. I just know he was the best runner. From, from how I evaluated, he was the best runner. And something, listen, you're going to see on Sunday, they do a very good job of getting to the perimeter. You know, they do a lot of zone blocking stuff, but they really try to get to the perimeter. They gashed Minnesota. The Minnesota could not handle their perimeter. And their biggest run last week against Chicago was getting him to the perimeter. So they do a good job of getting the first. Your edge players are really going to have to have a good game and not letting that happen. Because when he gets on the edge, he can he can hit his head on the goalpost quickly. Merrill, one thing that's uh, a constant, maybe the only thing that's a constant with these Bengals, uh, the human turnstile Bobby Hart may have moved on, but I still don't like their tackles in particular or their line in general. Uh, is this a game a healthy T.J. Watt can wreck? Well, I guess these guys are much better. I think we've talked about this a couple of years ago. It's the worst offensive line performance I'd ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that. We all agreed. Yeah, that was two years ago, uh, right? That was one of the high points yeah, I, of the show. I, I, yeah. I, I, right. I don't think we'll ever. I don't think we'll ever. I, hopefully. I mean, well, it would be nice to see it, some, you know, this Sunday. But I don't. I don't know if we'll ever see something that bad again. That being said, this actually, when I look at them, their offensive line versus the Steelers' offensive line and how they're playing right now, they are playing better and more consistent in all phases than, than the Steelers' offensive line is. You know, um, they, they're not as bad as you might think. Because um, uh, I was surprised, quite honestly. You know, I thought, you know, against Minnesota, there was a lot of impressive things. Chicago... That came down to turnovers, really not offensive line play in, in how they how they let that one go in Chicago. So that's why this is, you know, it's, this is a game that is critical that the Steelers get their running game going, you know, that they really have a chance to get that rolling so their offense can get some type of rhythm. It is a – it's very needed in order to win this game. Merrill, I, I don't know if you've watched much of Joe Burrow this year or not. If not, don't sweat it, but – I'm a big fan of him as a player, but I think yep. you know this. They've been he's been taking sacks, and I don't really blame the line as much as him coming back from this injury. It looks like he's not quite trusting the knee quite yet. Yeah, well, you know, it's funny. I, I've watched every game he's mm-hmm. played from LSU to last year to even this season, and you know, the one thing that he where he's he has all the confidence in the world. He is an accurate cat, man, and he's he's a very good deep ball thrower. Um, that's probably some of their highlights of their of their season, quite honestly. Um, and they have some weapons. You know, their 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 wide receiver core is. I mean, that's pretty impressive across the board. They got three guys that you know can do some damage at any given time. Now, I have seen. You know, to your point. You know, I've I've tried to watch for that. You know, and I in, in the two games I've watched him, there's times. You know, it's really funny that you say that that he shows absolutely no care whatsoever and he plays 
And then there's those moments where you can, to your point, where you can see he's just probably doesn't have the confidence that he, he had prior to it. Um, but you don't see it all the time. You just see it in it kind of actually against Chicago. It was kind of weird moments, to be honest with you. There were times where he stood in there and made some throws. I'm like, wow, you can't show that at all. And then there's other times where it didn't look quite as cluttered, and he looked like it it was somewhat of his concern. So you don't know when it's going to pop up is what's kind of interesting. Um, you just don't want to gamble that he doesn't feel confident because the next thing you know, he's going to hang a hundred, you know, an 80 yard bomb on you. Uh, so he, uh, he's a dangerous player from that perspective. He's very good throwing the deep ball and he's very accurate on the perimeter, which is, you know, always a concern with the defense because it, it just spreads your, your coverage aspect out of it, out. I mean, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta protect the whole field with him. And that's, that's what makes him so dangerous. Merrill, have you uh, begun your assault on the state of Ohio yet? Well, I'm glad you asked, gentlemen, because things, everything is locked and loaded for Saturday morning at 5 a.m. I will be in position A. And let's hope that the stars align, my brothers. That next week when we're talking, I'm telling you about maybe the greatest hunting experience I've ever had. Lofty what, expectations. What's position A? Is it? Does that vary from well, I, woods to woods? Yeah, is that confidential? Yeah, it's, 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 my, it's, my, uh, it's, my, it's my spot where I've been hunting this buck for three years. I know I, he has somewhat of a pattern, all right? Actually, he's kind of like the Steeler running game, very inconsistent. But he does show up every now and then. Elusive. <laughs> There's most moments where I'm like, oh, if he could just stay right there, we're going to be all right. So yeah, I'll find out. So I, got, I got a crack at him Saturday morning. The season opens up in Ohio. And I'm going to be in my tree stand, await, awaiting my my fellow whitetail. That's provided he shows up. Well, Merrill, my money's on you. But uh, then again, I had a losing weekend last weekend, so take that for what it's worth. <laughs> well, good. Well, I'm going to. That means the odds are for me, and the odds are for you. Time you win it, baby. <laughs> I'm I'm in if you are. That's uh, Merrill Hodge. Right. We'll do it again next week. Thanks, Merrill. You got it, guys. See you. Keep it here. Uh, Matt Williamson uh, and I will be uh, with you until 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, we got a few more things to hit about uh, a very intriguing uh, Steelers hosting of the Bengals on Sunday at Heinz Field. And when I say intriguing, I mean terrifying because this, is no, this is no longer a layup, kids. Uh, we got yeah. a football game coming up, and we don't know how it's going to turn out. For Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Pursuta. You're listening to Steelers Preview right here on your Steelers flagship. 102.5 DVE and SNR. Back to the Steelers preview show presented by Unibet on DVE. Welcome back. Mike Pursuta and Matt Williamson with you till 8 o'clock tonight. Uh, here to put a bow on things as we continue getting you ready for the Steelers and the Bengals. And Matt, in the uh, brief uh, segment we have left here, I wanted to talk some more about Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, his reputation, uh, of course, preceded him into the league, and so much was made about him last year before he got hurt. But watching the game Sunday uh, against Chicago last Sunday, he threw three interceptions on yeah. three consecutive passes. Now, significant for two reasons. He hadn't thrown a pick in 199 passes in a row, which was the longest streak in the league right. until it got broken. The first two were clearly his fault. The third one, he got hit right as he was throwing it, and the ball went straight up in the air and that happened. fell yeah, into right, the belly right, of right. a defensive lineman. 
He did not care. And his team was down 20-3 to in the fourth quarter, and he kept firing. And, boy, they almost had a chance to steal that game at the end. Yeah. Merrill mentioned how accurate he is. And I actually think his arm looks a little stronger to me. But is I think his best attribute is the – the toughness, the leadership, the things you mentioned there. like Joe Cool. Joe Cool. I, I mean, he, he had some stories, you know, going back to Ohio State, fighting over this tire or whatever. You know, I mean, things like you know, his teammates immediately, you know, go, you know, go right to him. And even in his second year, it's his team in Cincinnati. I'm super impressed with him. I, I really think he'll be a, a thorn and sealer fan side for a long, long time. time. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm in agreement with your point about his mobility, it's not what it was. He's only and ran once this year for two yards. That has contributed yeah. to the sacks. He did scramble out in the Bears game, and uh, he kind of pulled the Lamar Jackson thing where he got close to the sideline and the defender is closing, and it looks like he's going to step out, but he didn't. Mm -hmm. And then he waited right till the guy was on top of him, and he hopped out. <laughs> so now he's on the thick white. Yeah. And the guy bumped into him. Here comes the there yellow comes flag. flag. Kind of crafty. And yeah, they right, showed right. The, a close-up uh, camera shot of – his helmet, and he was grinning like a butcher's dog. Like, <laughs> I got you, pal. Yeah, um, that's great. You know, he was crafty for being a young dude. He right. wasn't smiling after the third pick, but to pull that kind of stuff in your second year. And Jamar Chase, he's got a 50-yard touchdown. He's got a 42-yard touchdown. And I'm here to tell you, Matt, they are at some point he's going to catch a slant, and they're going to time it upright. Oh, and he's going to still be running. He's such a powerful runner, too. I mean, he is a strong guy. And as like a 19-year-old at LSU, he didn't play last year. I mean, he would just bully SEC corners. And you don't quite get away with that at this level. But, man, he is explosive, powerful. The one guy we haven't mentioned yet tonight, just since we're on that, you know, on, on that train, T. Higgins is questionable for this game. And Yeah, by the way, I've been trying to get a Bengals injury yeah. report and uh, doesn't seem to exist at this particular time. He, he has uh, – not practiced the last two days from what I understand. And he's maybe their best receiver right now. Everyone from around here is familiar with Tyler Boyd. He's just the, the chain mover, the juju type. Higgins is a really well-rounded player that keeps getting better. And what's interesting to me about their offense, too, they really only play like 12 guys. You know, they don't rotate a lot of different substitutions in or use a, a wide variety of, of, of players. So Higgins and Chase and these guys are really counted on. Of course, the Steelers have owned the Bengals, particularly here in recent seasons, yeah. but we saw them lose to Ryan Finley last year. That was uh, hard on to swallow. They're gonna, even if they're healthy on defense, they're going to have to play some offense in this one, aren't they? Steelers? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm with you how you started the show. I mean, more Friar Muth would be great, but it has to be nausea. Yeah, I mean, it, that's why you drafted him. You had a plan in place. Stick with it. He needs to touch the ball a lot, no matter what the circumstances in this game are. So, uh, in the uh, 50 seconds we got left, are we okay. talking about a win next week? I won't press you for a score, but are we talking about a win next week or a loss? I'm leaning towards a win, but I don't think it's going to be uh, just throw it out there and dominate this thing. I just like the fact that I think we're going to see T.J. Watt, and that's a big factor to me. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm leaning to a win. Uh, yeah. I'm going to reserve the right to change my mind when I have to make my official pick. Uh, on the pregame show, but I think the combination of being home, coming off of a, of a loss, and yeah. I think uh, Keith Butler, to me, sounded like a guy who realized he might have had the right call, but he had the wrong player good, good. in the spot, and mm -hmm. I don't think they'll make that mistake again. 
And I think they will find uh, 88 and 22 and, and see where that takes them. That's going to do it for us tonight. Thanks to Shirtless Tom behind the glass for uh, keeping things rolling. Uh, thanks to Merrill for joining us again. Thank you for finding us. Until next week, for Matt Williamson, I'm Mike Persuda. You've been listening to Steelers Preview right here on the Steelers flagship, 102.5 DVE and SNR. Good night, everyone.